Pelotero Pickle, episode 80. The MLB lockout is over. Tom Brady is coming back to football, and we get back into the shift argument. Check it out. Pelotero Pickle, episode 80. It is March 14th. Joining me as always is Chris Colabello. But before we get started with that, send us your emails with topics, questions at pickle at pelotero.com or on Twitter at Pelotero Pickle. Chris, big day yesterday. I know you're sick, but how are we doing? I'm sick, but Tom Brady is now alive and well. I can watch so, football again. That's all I care about. Yeah, the re- Chris Colabello is once again a football fan tom nope. brady tom brady fan tom brady just said screw this lockout news i'm taking over the sports world i'm coming back so i'm going to give credit six weeks to, eight weeks and he's back not even no not even i don't think i'm going to give credit where credit is due jerry thornton uh this i i think tom is salt of the earth i think he's allowed to do whatever he wants whenever he wants um jerry thornton had a good take on this where he was going to announce his retirement so the bucks would move on and then basically force their hand into signing a quarterback so that they would trade him to san francisco that being said i don't think he's that devious and some of the stories are interesting but I think he wanted to open up that possibility in some ways because he did have a year left on his deal. But regardless, I don't care what team he plays for. I get to watch Tommy touchdowns. Pretty interesting dynamic that I, I imagine if uh, the, the Tampa Bay Bucks got Aaron Rodgers or Russell Wilson. They were, talk, they were talking about Deshaun and then Watson. Tom Brady's like, I still want to play. And he's going to go out to San Francisco and play for his hometown team. Yeah, as long as Tom Brady plays football, I can watch. That's it. Period. Deshaun That's all Watson I care about. is he even? Yeah, is he all even charges a consideration dropped. In life? Yeah, really? Yeah. When did that happen? He's he's a football player again. Uh, recently, like a month ago. Yeah. Less than that. That's one of those topics you kind of keep at arm's length until it resolves itself. Innocent until guilty. Hopefully, public opinion doesn't. You'd do like that. to think so, anyway. But yeah. Yeah. Public, public opinion, opinion doesn't like always that. do that. But glad that he's but he's very talented, so that's good that he's able to do what he's essentially put on this earth to do. He's super talented. Uh, but Tom Brady's back. Also, the lockout is ended. So that yeah, happened last week. I guess they're gonna play baseball. I so we really were both notice. wrong. I, I was attention. I was predicting I was predicting a one twenty game season. I'm surprised. I think. Uh, do you think public opinion just started to sway? Uh my inside sources tell me that there was some caving done on the player side that I didn't think would happen, but it is what it is. They want to play baseball because there's too much money to be lost, I guess, from an individual standpoint. Um, I think they fought pretty hard, uh, played their hand well at times and made the owners think that they weren't going to budge on a lot of stuff, and then they budged. And then I had to listen to Rob Manfred tell me that he's tried really hard to connect with players over the years. Yeah, come on. That he needs to do a better job. Come on, Rob. Uh, So one of the interesting stories that came out was like right at the 11th hour, they're like, hey, also drop these lawsuits that are worth over a billion dollars. Do you know anything about that? No, I don't know anything about it. I think that the Players Association was suing. I think one of them was about service time manipulation. I don't know what the other one was about, but it was just a nice little, oh, by the way, do this as well. Yeah, it, uh, yeah, I don't like it. I don't like it. That's all I got to say. I, I, I honestly could probably go on for hours about this stuff and realistically, it, at the end of the day, like who who gets the most hurt by not playing, right? And you could look at it two ways and say, well, the players aren't going to make any money. I think the union kept talking about their war chest that they were trying to have full over the years when they go into a CBA. The way the last two years played themselves out, they probably 
depleted that war chest ish um from the standpoint of like they had guys that they needed to pay during uh the covid season and uh there were just some economic things that were different than normal so yeah i think it could have lasted longer i think they probably should have held out longer and um ultimately seems like there's no real inherent changes that are going to make a huge difference in terms of you know the way the owners do things the collective uh, the collect uh that's the, the competitive balance tax is now or the uh cbt yeah i know the uh the hard cap on payrolls is what we're gonna call it is uh it's moved a little but it's not gonna change anything um yeah i I don't know i I just i think there was more to be done to be honest with you and uh, that comes from a personal agenda too so just me yep so, <clears throat> excuse me. So we got baseball's back. I think April seventh is opening day now. Um, a lot of action. We got a lot of action, and we're gonna we're gonna go through MLB trade rumors. Uh, just to go through some stuff. Looks like Fernando. Big news as of this morning. Uh, there's an update. Let me see if it says the update. Uh, no update about what happened. Flared up decisive, decisively while swinging a bat recently. So Fernando Tatis Jr. fractured the scaphoid bone in his left wrist. Uh, possible that it was sustained earlier this winter, but looks like he's going to be out for three months. So that stinks. I'm going to just... At least he's rich. Yep. Yeah, but I'm officially declaring him injury prone, unfortunately. Sad yeah, I don't, he's one of the best talents imaginable. I don't know if it's coincidence or you just never know or how psyche affects people once there's they, a scaffold. I don't, I, don't, I don't know. It's just an interesting is he injury prone or are people trying to protect him or like are they you know, could he have played through some stuff last year? I, who knows, man. I think the funny thing is is like we talk about this day and age of strength and conditioning and training and performance and stuff like that. And I feel like guys get hurt way more often than they did just generally speaking, or they go on the DL way more. I don't know if a lot of them are phantom DL stints or whatever, but back in the day you had to stay in the lineup because if not, you're going to get Wally pipped. You got to get out and play big loss for them. They got uh, Bob Melvin coming in this year to manage and he was there's just really good things to be said about Bob Melvin. So that's a pretty big blow to them. Hopefully the Padres can keep the ship afloat and get some uh, midseason help from Fernando. Fernando. I was hearing uh, I was hearing Nelson Cruz to the Padres. So um, Nelson Cruz the... went to the Nationals. Yeah. Why would, I, was he- I don't understand that at all. DH in the National League. Well, I understand that, but there's oh, you mean because they're be, not trying? Yeah. Yeah, um, they're not. A, like, if you're at his age, is he just going to go hang out with Juan Soto? Because he's, yeah, like, I, that's basically the play with, there, right? Hang out with Juan. Because they're him. not, on paper, they're not especially good. So I, that they, then again, neither is the NL East, so who knows? The Mets <clears throat> with Scherzer and DeGrom, Gavin DeGraw, DeGrom, Jake DeGrom. Oh, pre-show. That's two. They're two, there? pitcher, they're two pitchers. <laughs> they they should two pitchers. be competitive. Well, uh, even Pete if Alonso, they, even speaking if they, of the Mets, speaking of the Mets, Pete Alonso was in a car accident this morning. He's fine. Nobody worry. Just reported that he was a vehicle ran a red light and struck his car. Whoa! Vehicle ran his ran a red light, struck his car, which flipped over three times. Doesn't really say which vehicle flipped over three times. Uh, but he's okay. Not expected to miss time. Didn't read that in the first iteration of that story. Uh, wow. Uh, Vince Velasquez signed by the White Sox. So I, I don't even know who Vince Velasquez is. Is he? He was with the Phillies. He was a swing guy, fifth starter, reliever type guy. Okay. So their bullpen is stacked. The White Sox have a lot yeah, of Ryan pieces Yeah, Ryan opening up his wallet, man. A lot of pieces in place. 
let's see what else we got. Uh, Carlos Rodon to the Giants. A lot of people are upset about that. Well, because they were talking about the money aspect of it. And they're like, oh, big markets. Can people stop calling them big market and small market teams, please? Please. Stop big, it. Uh, the big news around the first baseman situation is Freddie Freeman available still. Surprising. Anthony Rizzo Freddie. available still. Rizzo's available too? Come on. Uh, Matt Olson seems to be on the trading block because he plays for Oakland. So everybody's on the trading block in Oakland. So heard a rumor that Freddie Freeman's interested in going to L.A., the Dodgers, which is absurd because they already have an all-star team. That'd be pretty absurd. seems like the Braves are comfortable with him leaving from a payment standpoint, and they think they can get Olsen cheaper. Freeman's a glue guy. I don't know. His hugs seem contagious and infectious. And he wears his pants super high, which is awesome. I just, he's a guy I want on my team. Uh, Other big news, Donaldson to the Yankees. That trade had had elements to it. It was uh, Isaiah. Isaiah Kainer-Falefa. Is he young, but he won a gold glove? He's good. I saw one article that's called him a veteran. Yeah, it's like his fifth year in the league. Okay, so he's not he's not a pop. Uh, so Gary Sanchez and Gio Urshela to the Twins, and now the Twins are rumored to be interested in Trevor Story. It's like Twins, are you in or are you out? You don't get Trevor Story. Let Trevor Story go win somewhere. He's good. Don't bring him into a roster that's not competitive. No, talk about the Yankees here for a second. Okay. Uh, you now have they want more righty the bats, but this is the same conundrum they put themselves in. They now have. Donaldson, Kiner Falefa, LeMahieu, Glaber Torres, Luke Voigt. So now you have five guys to play four positions. Maybe they'll start a burger joint instead. And they're talking about signing Rizzo. That was a good five guys reference. That was not a good five guys reference. No. No smiles to be had. It wasn't funny. Uh, Then they got Hicks is coming back. Is Gardner out? Yeah, just out? Pencil, penciled in in center field. Just pencil him in, kid. Brett Gardner in or out? Retired. Officially? Is that done? Here you go. Okay. Um, Giancarlo? No si posto parlo. He's, he's a DH or is he an outfielder? He's a DH. They got, they got like three DHs on their team. Uh, Aaron Joseph, Judge. Joseph Gallo. Joey Gallo. So the outfield is going to be... Gallo, Hicks, Judge. Correct. And then first base is going to be LeMayu Voigt. Somebody, so I was reading the thing last night that said a platoon. I said, on what planet can you platoon with the same side hitters? And why would you ever platoon the guy that won the batting title and the guy that led the league in homers two years ago? Those guys are everyday players. Somebody needs to let Lou Voigt play. He's way too, he's, he, did you see that one video? He was like bent. He was single arm bench pressing a barbell with like 225 pounds on it. Just in the it middle. It was 135. But it was a lot. Yes, it's still a lot and it's still hard to do. But yeah, 225 I do not ju- a bit much. I don't judge my hitters by single arm barbell benches, even though that was impressive. And he also led the league in homers. So Yeah, that I appreciate a lot. <clears throat> Let him swing. Let him hit. Uh, yeah, they're... Their roster lineup is interest. Their construction is very interesting. Well, I, they, there's got to be another move on the horizon because you have to. That kind of Falefa guy, he he posted. He got traded like three times in three days, and he posted a video shaving. I'm like, you should probably like hold, give it like 48 hours <laughs> before you shave, because he's got to go to the Yankees and shave. But maybe that was his way of being like, I want to stay here. I'm committing to the shave. I would probably trade Torres. What would your infield be? Donaldson, Connor Falefa, LeMahieu, Voigt. Because they, they're still in on Rizzo is the word on the street, and Freeman, which is... It's too many then bodies. You can tra- then you have to trade Voigt and... and Torres. <laughs> Glaber can be good. Is he? He's more of a second baseman than a shortstop, though. 
Yeah, he needs to play second. He stinks when he plays shortstop. All right. Uh, the Mets are signing Adam Ottavino. So if Babe Ruth comes back, he'll get him out. Yep. Sonny Gray to the That's Twins. True. That's definitely true. He would get him out. Uh, Red Sox got Jake Diekman. That's it's a good sign. A good get. He's, it's a good get. Jake yeah. Diekman's really good. Diekman was with the A's? Phillies. Rangers. But most recently to the, the A's. A's. Yeah. Uh, Mets acquire Chris Bassett from the A's. So the A's are just giving up everybody. They're probably going to still win 98 games. Uh, Joe Kelly to the White Sox. We referenced that already, that they have a billion people that throw a billion. Uh, Rocky signed Alex Colome. That name is not Colome. 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 Pitcher. He's good. Yes. And uh, Juris Familia to the Phillies. Yeah. In, intradivision move there. There's still a lot of players that are agents that are free. Yeah, do, do we have a I don't I don't have a list handy for like who the best most available <coughs> players are. Freddie. Freddie Freeman has got to be top of the list. Who else? Uh I bet you it's on ML, on the MLB website. Cuz I can they did the all the players we talked about uh oh there's literally a list on the left side latest free agent news. Uh Trevor It's Story. funny we when the when the lockout happened, like there's a lockout switch on the back end of the website that grayed all the pictures and like just flip that switch back on, all the faces come back. So we got Freddie Freeman, Carlos Correa, big name, pretty big name. I think he ends up back in Houston. Doubt it. It. He wants he wants to get paid. There's like five places but he can sign. That's it. The market shrinking on him. Yeah, there's only five places where he can go play. Chris Bryant. My guy where's KB. a good Where's a good home for him? Um, one of we the thought LA's. Mets, Mets last year would have been good for him. One of the LA's. There were rumors that uh, Bryce Harper was trying to get him to Phillies. They're gonna open I their think, wallet. I forget who else is there. Uh, JT Real Muto. Well, I mean, from a third base outfield standpoint. Yeah. Reese Hopkins, <laughs> uh, Odubel Herrera. Yeah, he, there's plenty of room. Go to Philly. Trevor Story. Super Sam Fold. Where's Trevor Story going to go? So the place where they sign him. Just Probably. amazing yeah. analysis there. Nick nah, I don't like. I have so little interest in where these guys go play. Like, I don't know why. I just, I'd rather watch college baseball and call it a day. We'll get there. No, I don't. I'm just over Schwarber, it. Conforto, Rizzo. I, I don't like Conforto being above Rizzo on that list. No offense, Michael. I got Rizzo, especially coming Conforto. off like 220 or something like that, or whatever it was. And then Seiya Suzuki. Who's this? I don't even know who that guy is. No, I'll feel dirty. Uh, he is an outfielder. Hey, the Blue Jays signed Tyler Heineman. Nice. He's going to do some magic tricks in the yep, clubhouse? for sure. Love it. He does some good magic tricks. He's a good he, magic He pops up on my TikTok every once in a while. Uh, so that's it. Yeah, so the luxury tax is there. The minor league. Why are we, why are we running out of time? Love it. It says we're good on time. I don't know why that happened. I think I signed on the wrong account. Uh, so CBA is done. Is it 12 or 14 team playoff? It's 12 for sure? 12. 12 team playoff. International draft. I didn't really follow that, but I know there's some contention there. I don't know what the result was. Baseball's back. That's what I know. Everything else just kind of disappears if baseball's back. The funny thing is, is nobody cares about any of the stuff that got negotiated. So they just want to watch baseball. So all the things that people wanted to argue for and talk about none of the public cares because they're like oh you guys are all rich stop it just play baseball yeah it's great go play baseball shut up and play so they, that's what the that's what the kids say and if you don't uh, like it play better yes that's well that's true in all aspects of life so there's a, a retirement letter from Michael Curry 
who I honestly, before seeing this, didn't really know who he was, but he's a minor league baseball player. Did you read this letter? I read it three days ago. So really just kind of shredding minor league baseball. There's an element of you, if you don't like it, play better in this for sure. There's a lot of elements of truth to it. This is basically just uh, the business of baseball sucks. The game is awesome. The business sucks. What causes wages in the world to be set at some standard minimum? Give me your best answer to that question. Well, usually there's an element of supply and demand. Correct, which is number one. And then the other one is? Value creation. Well, I mean, that's just from a free market economic standpoint, right? Like if you're talking about that. But the other one is government intervention, right? We set a minimum wage, we do this, whatever. Well, yeah, I was, I was gonna. So was a later one. Yeah, yeah, but there's two. Like, what value to add? How difficult is your job? How many people can do your job? So the supply and demand element of it, and the other one is really what the government says is right and wrong. So in this case, the antitrust doesn't like the the, the, the antitrust exemption for Major League Baseball and technically Minor League Baseball too, where. They they have no government regulation to to other than like literally hey nobody can create a league to match you basically because you know you have the antitrust exemption so from the standpoint of it doesn't block people from from trying it just, right you could they've got such could, a head start to try yeah. to catch up to them you, the piggy you would bank need, you would need the piggy you would bank need you would a two need. billion dollar <laughs> two billion probably to like just to even think what? about competing with Major League Baseball. Two billion? You need two yeah. billion just to start one team. You need. Uh, you'd need. You could build a competitive infrastructure. That ha- if you if we can get into that later, how do you differentiate yourself? This is good. I love be, when we get in the weeds. You play three inning games. You could do like traveling road shows, like Harlem Globetrotters <laughs> with all the free agents that are, you know, just coming off superstar careers. You'd, that you'd have to pay them. You'd have to, to get the correct. Talent. If, if Major League Baseball is really all about having the best talent. It's not about having the best talent. It's been abundantly clear that Major League Baseball is not about having the best talent. The 750 best players in the world are not playing the Major League. Know that? Uh, it doesn't, does the public know that? Does the public know that? The public doesn't know most things, Bobby. Like, but, but the reality they, they is... The perception is that it's the best league. Sure. Uh, I'm, everybody is get, abundantly aware of the fact that... Can you get Mike Trout out of the Major Leagues? If you paid him enough, yeah. And if you built enough cachet around the other thing, but the reality is when the NFL and the AFL existed, you could get players, you build a different structure. That's what I said. The number I was, I was going to put the number at like, I was going to put the number at like 200 billion to probably more. I would go to to build a competitive. I mean, you're, you're going to go to a trillion, but (laughs) you're going, you're going based off value of individual organizations, which are, from, it's more than that. From, it's, what's what's the total payroll of Major League Baseball? I mean, if each you, team's making two hundred million dollars, multiply that by thirty. It's two billion dollars, six billion dollars, whatever. Then each payroll is two hundred million times thirty. What about stadiums? But you, again, you're you, like you're at. Can we not talk about this? Because it's the most ridiculous hypothetical ever. I don't know why you're bringing it up. The point of the kid's letter that I was trying to make was we exist in a world where supply and demand matter, right? And the problem with minor league baseball is there are plenty of people that want to take your job. There's a billion people that want to take your job. And out of those billion people, 999 million of them are going to do it for no money. So to sit there and complain about the lifestyle and what you get paid and how brutal it is. Like, let's call a spade a spade. Minor league baseball is not that bad. It's not as bad as people make it out to be. It's a, we're talking about first world problems here, right? Like, Oh, you got to ride a bus. Oh, you got to do that. Oh, you got to do this. At the end of the day, you get to go play baseball. You play a three hour game. You get to go stay in a hotel. You get meal money. It doesn't matter how much money you make because when you're 21 years old, you get out of college, like you want to do it, like be my guest, go work in the off season, wear it, take it in the chin, learn some character stuff. Now on the other side of the coin, you could sit there and say, well, Oh, you need to have these standardized things and you need to have this regulated payment process, whatever, blah, blah. blah. And that's fine. 
But I look at it from both sides of the coin where I played, what, nine years in the minor leagues before I got to the big leagues. And I survived. Like, it's not like in the off season I needed to train for 16 hours a day. I needed to train for like two to get better or three. And the, the rest of my day was spent trying to figure out ways to hustle and make money and be around baseball facilities, things that inherently were probably helping me get better at the game anyway. Do you want me to go devil's advocate? Yeah, sure. I mean, I'm, I don't have like a take on either side. I'm just letting people know that it's, yeah. it's not all as bad as they make it out to be. So that like it just, there's disregard for minimum wage a lot of the time where the number of hours sure. spent versus the number of hours paid. You're just, you're not hitting minimum wage numbers. So that's like the major league baseball and the organizations have circumvented minimum wage, which is sucks. Uh, is it a choice to play? Absolutely. Is it a privilege to play? Absolutely. The concept of like, there's a bunch of people willing to take the jobs. That's true but also you have scouting departments that are scouring the country to find the best players that ultimately should be contributing to the major league roster. And there's this argument they make that it's like an apprenticeship and that's why they get around the, the pay stuff. They, they could say it's an apprenticeship, which justifies the low pay because you're, you're earning, you're working your way up to a higher pay, except the only problem is there's no guarantee. There's no, there's no job waiting for you once you've accomplished what you need to accomplish it's there's only so many spots so it's they they're mixing up multiple industries to their own benefit and the player ends up wearing it because they're not organized and as you said there's a billion people waiting to take their jobs so they have no leverage yeah i, I mean it, it what it comes <laughs> down to is a, a bunch of people having to come together and say like i'm tired of this if you don't do that, then it'll never happen. If you can't rally enough people around the concept that, look, we need to do this collectively. And that's why the union is the union in Major League Baseball. There should be a minor league players union. Problem is, the problem is it's, it's too grand of a scale because you would replace all the minor league players with other minor league players and it would be fine. And like Major League Baseball wouldn't care because the only the only way people get publicity nowadays is when the the media or social media gives it to them right there's plenty of good college baseball players that end up going to play independent ball or end up going to move it on to their jobs because you know they don't get drafted or especially now with a 20 round draft like independent ball has existed for years because there's a, there's a sea of people that can play baseball and there's a sea of people in independent baseball that can play in the big leagues. Like it doesn't, it's not, we're like making it out to be this, this massive thing. That's so different. It's the same reason why a college coach could decide he's going to redshirt a guy. And then four games later, he's in the lineup and he's his best hitter. Cause like, no, they don't know. Like they don't, it's too hard to predict. It's you can't like understand how somebody's going to develop unless you really know what makes them tick inside so like there's plenty of baseball players that given the right opportunity can get the chance to get to the big leagues to the point of what he's saying there's not a ton of meritocracy in the minor leagues but at the same time i would say there is because if you figure out the system and what you have to do to exist within that system then you give yourself a chance i'm not saying it was easy for me to get to the big leagues and become a full-time player because shoot i was hitting 330 at one point and it was tough to get in the lineup like right but i i get annoyed by guys that hit 270 with like eight homers and like i can't believe i didn't get called up to the next level well dude go post up go hit 330 with 20 and we'll see what happens yeah what are you what were your thoughts on the uh there was a section about old school new school managers uh that have never played the game there's uh a funny line about Ivy League people making decisions. About. You're so the reason why he's talking about the old school guy and why you need the baseball guy in the dugout is because for the player who is behind the eight ball, let's call it, 
right from a from a status standpoint within the organization the only person that can recognize value in that player is the baseball guy right like the guy that's been in the trenches the guy that knows how valuable it is to have a team guy who's a good positive influence on the rest of his teammates so that's what he's talking about when there's no consideration for any of that you're you're looking at the more new school uh ivy educated whatever because you're just looking at the data set to tell you who's going to play and who's not and it's unfortunate because there's a lot of good players that kind of get overlooked i think because they're not i mean it look my career isn't in a nutshell was that right like that was my career i i had to figure out ways to provide value to a team and to do that i had to learn the system i had to learn organizations i had to understand what it meant to be a great teammate i had to understand what leadership was because you can add value to the game in different ways it's just a matter of recognizing how you can do it and then if you have a good baseball person supporting you you really just need one person in an organization that has your back right they have to like something about you and then you need that person to go to bat for you adapt or die as brad pitt once said i mean ken pilar was a 33rd rounder he got the big league just fine yeah yeah you don't um the one other question I have with you is about the, he was talking about the first rounder needing to get at bats. And when there was an injury, he thought he was going to get time. They called somebody up and then that guy got hurt. And then they sent somebody down. At what point as a player, do you either need to like go ask for a trade, ask for a release? If you're not getting playing time and the organization's not given to you, what do you do? I'd be willing to bet that story is a little bit exaggerated, right? If I, if I had to guess, I'm going to go out on a limb and say exaggerated that story a little right? Because scenarios like that where you're the bench guy in at a certain level and they call dudes from two different levels back up and down, those don't really happen. Um, you know, I, I could definitely see a guy coming up from the lower level, but not a guy coming down from the higher level to, to take it bats in front of you. Um, that being said, yeah, if you if you think you deserve the ABs, walk in the office and say, I need these ABs. These are mine. I've earned them. And I, I think it's it's part of what I talk about with the college guys nowadays too. You don't like what the lineup card says, go like go be a man and say something about it. Let them know. And, and if you think you deserve it and you like man up and do something about it. We all get so scared to talk to our coaches when we're young because we think there's this authoritarian thing. And then we just turn around and we talk and we we talk behind their back and complain about it. If you don't like what he's doing, go say something. I guarantee you that guy will respect you because he wants a competitor. He wants a warrior out on the field. He wants a guy that wants to play. He might not agree with you, but if you go to him in a courteous fashion and he can't accept your – the fact that you're asking, then it's time to probably move on. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't know. We had, we had a conversation recently about a college player who was just banging, hitting over 400 and then gets like pinch hit for late in a game and then gets the next day off. And the kid just was like, mental spiral what's going on does the coach not like me am i out of the lineup blah blah blah. and the coach could have just easily gone up and said hey look we're up 12 to 2 so i'm gonna let somebody else get in that bat nice job go put your turfs on and uh, also on tuesday you've been playing every day so i'm gonna get you a day and the kid would have been like awesome thank you coach but when the coaches don't communicate stuff like that the player's mind will go crazy and it's tough and when you're young and you don't have the confidence or you don't you don't know if you can go talk to your coach like that. If that precedent has been set, if, if, if there's intimidation, there's fear, there's a, there's a lot of emotion that goes into it. Because ultimately, the kid, you're chasing your dreams and you don't want to screw it up. Because if, what if you go in the office and the guy's like, screw you, you're out, I'm cutting you. You're off the team. You disrespected me. I mean, look, with the, the amount of opportunity that people have nowadays like you can do anything you know what i mean you can literally 
you can go from team to team, school to school. Uh, if you're good, theoretically, somebody should find you or you, you can knock down enough doors to get an opportunity. You know, is it always the case? I, I you know, I don't know, because baseball is such a a weird sport to evaluate talent. And you you could you could add value to a team in a bunch of different ways. Right. You can add value by running fast by being a great defender or you can add value by being a great hitter you can add value by being able to play multiple positions and then a lot of what it comes down to is finding the right situation for you right finding the right the right circumstance based on the puzzle that the manager or the front office or whatever is trying to put together right so I, it, what it comes down to is you got to pay attention right to what's going on around you you got to understand what the team's needs are that you're playing on at any given point in time and how you with your skill set can contribute to it right and that goes for college pro ball anything right and then if you can't fulfill the criteria or if you don't know what the criteria is go talk about it with the manager and then if you don't like it move on it's that simple. I mean, I, we think we make it bigger than what it is. And most of that make it bigger than what it is, is out of fear. I think it's all fear. I, I was terrified to go talk to the coach when I was 21 years old. I would have been terrified to go talk to the front office because I would have thought they would have viewed that as me being contentious or rebellious. You know, growing up, my dad would say, oh, you know, be seen, not heard, you know, blah, blah, blah. But at the same time, I look at myself now and the position I could be in as a manager. And if somebody came and talked to me like a man, I would, I would respect the heck out of that because I would know that there was a, there was a deeper force driving them on the inside and, and a huge character asset there that would ultimately help them be a better player on the field. So um, I, I would just say to, to people, just be, be more communicative. That's from the coach and player side, right? Yeah, get take your ego out of the equation and move on. Yeah, that's really good stuff. Uh, shared some some hitting charts yesterday. Asked over the weekend who's got the best hitting charts. <coughs> a lot of uh, QAB type stuff. I posted a chart, and I've got I think five different variations that I just was brainstorming on. And the the ultimate goal for the chart that I shared was by pitch type what type of contact is occurring so is a hitter squaring up the ball are they missing over are they missing under and then what is their timing like with the goal being you're tracking every single pitch every single swing that happens you're you're going pitch type contact type timing type and if i'm walking to go beyond deck or if i'm in the hole i can look at that chart and say man this guy's fastball is getting a lot of pop-ups or Man, we're chasing. We're, we're making a lot of outs on uh, breaking balls, and understanding what I might need to be thinking about. Maybe that leads to conversations with other teammates about what's this guy's fastball look like. How high do I need to aim if I want to square this guy up? Just having conversations. Because one of the things I I ask players all the time is what types of outs are your teammates making. It's a really really simple thing. Just pay attention to the game. So I joke around calling it the the pay attention chart. But there's so many there's so many layers you can add to it where it's like how do you make it simple enough that it can be done quickly without technology and how do you make it meaningful with just limited data sources. For this chart, you need to do three tallies for every swing. Pitch type, contact type, timing. Pretty simple. What do you got? Did you have any charts in a pro ball that you really liked or – it could be either in-game charts or reports. I was a terrible writer-downer. You know me. I'm not a writer-downer. I'm going to keep it in my brainer. I've just I, – I tried to write things down forever. I would do journals from time to time, and I would look at numbers here and there, but everything exists in my brain. All the things that most people need to write down exist in my brain. I promise you. I, I have Rolodexes of at-bats in my brain, and – I don't know if that makes me special or different or whatever it is, but I, I, 
those charts all exist in my brain. I was adamant about how guys pitched me. I remembered sequences. I could, I could run off a sequence from 2015 in any given at bat right now if we if we pulled up the AB. Like, and I would just watch it and be like, yep, he did this, this, and this. And you'd be like, holy crap, he really did. And I would remember what his stuff looked like. I'd remember how it played. So uh, I guess for me, yeah. I, what information I would always, most valuable to you? I would in always that, think about how I missed. Always how I missed. What their stuff what their stuff made me feel like, right? What was perceived velocity versus actual velocity? Like I didn't, I never cared about the number on the scoreboard. I told, I used to tell people, I, I used to, people used to ask me when there were no guns at the field, they'd go, is this guy throwing hard? I'm, and I would say, I don't know. I can't tell from the side. And I said, I'll let you know when I get in the box. Let me get and, a swing off and I'll tell you. Yeah, it was always it was always based on my first swing. I if I if my first swing I swung and missed at a heater, because I didn't swing and miss at fastballs. Like it just didn't happen. I'd foul them off, or you know, if I was late or my body didn't get ready in time, or I was looking for something else, sure. I'm not saying I never swung and missed at a heater. But like I literally I didn't swing and miss at fastballs that I was swinging at. So I would let you know if I followed it straight back or missed underneath, I would go, yeah, he's, I'd turn around and be like, yeah, he's throwing hard. Um, and I, again, that, whether he's spinning it or not spinning it. And then right away, you just start painting a picture of, you know, what you're trying to accomplish, right? Where, where am I trying to get the ball? Like, hey, you know, you face a guy like Craig Kimbrell, you want to get the ball down in the zone. You face a guy like, you know, Sam Dyson, you need to get the ball up and out over the plate. Um, even though he's thrown hard, you face a guy like Anibal Sanchez pray for me because he was gonna, he was gonna flip seven different arm slots to me and six different spins on six different pitches. And the simplicity of those at bats for me should have always been, you know, the Miguel Gonzalez's and Anibal Sanchez should have been just see it up and, and, and take your medicine, right? It's like you hit your first, you hit your first drive in the woods and you got three trees in front of you and then water protecting the front right of the green. And you're like, nah, I'm going to make this hero shot. Like that's trying to hit a homer off a guy that you don't really pick up. Well, like that's trying to get an a swing off against. And I, I don't even like the terminology a swing, but the, the, the dudes that you fundamentally have trouble with, Meaning from, uh, am I picking it up? Am I seeing it good? And usually those guys didn't bother me, but he did in particular. You just got to get the ball up. You got to get the ball up and you got to be patient. And I think that's the biggest challenge with most, most amateur hitters is they're just, they're not patient. They don't know what they're swinging at. They don't even know what the strike zone is. I had a hitter this weekend and he's probably going to listen to this. Send me a video and be like, dude, I think I'm just early. What do you think? And I said, every pitch in this at bat is a ball. And you're talking about being early. Like you swung at a fastball down the middle and tried to hit a curveball down and away. Like what, what are you doing? Right. And I talked about layers of the brand. I talked about going to layers all the time. So the at bat started with a runner on first base and two outs. So in that situation, okay, you're hitting in the five hole, six hole, whatever it is. Pitcher's probably going to attack, right? He's not He's not too worried about you hitting a double or a homer. Maybe he is. So let's just say, okay, I'm hitting fifth or sixth, and he knows I got a little juju. Runner on first two outs, flip Johnson. Start the at-bat. It's college baseball. Okay, great. Ball one, whatever. Or strike one. Doesn't matter. Within the next two pitches, the count got – within two pitches, the count got to 1-1, one, one, and the runner went from first to third independent of how it got to that situation. So now there's two outs and a runner on third base. The entire dynamic of that at-bat changes. Why? Because there's a runner in scoring position less than two outs. That dude ain't caving to you. If it's two outs, nobody on, he's going to throw it down the middle and be like, I dare you to hit it because the chance of you hitting it out are slim to none. I don't care if you hit a double or a triple or even if you hit a homer, whatever, you walked into it. But now with – with a 2-1 count, there's no scenario that you're getting a heater down the middle. Are you looking heater down the middle right there? Like, is that what we're doing? Oh, like, okay, great. But if you don't have the awareness to say, like, yeah, he's probably going to go to a side of the plate, not going to give me anything good to hit because he doesn't want that run to score. Right? 
Make sense? Yeah. Simple stuff. Yeah. And and if you're worried about your back elbow slotting with the rotation of your pelvic thoracic outlet syndrome, whatever it is, <laughs> in in that moment in the at bat, you're probably not going to be able to think about those things. And then you're probably going to forget to swing at a strike and you're probably going to forget to try to hit a line drive over the second baseman's head. Is that fair? Yeah, you got to be careful about what you think about in that box. And he's gone. He out. <laughs> so yeah, so lots of there's. I I would agree with with Chris and that most of the stuff that I was thinking about was in my head and just paying attention, and I think more players need to do a better job on that. So the charts can help. The charts are just a reminder. I can't wait for Chris to come back because we got a post show. I'm gonna sneeze real quick. And you didn't even mute. <clears throat> You well, didn't even mute to sneeze. That was going to need to be an edit. <clears throat> I, I tried, but I didn't get there in time. So, now we move on to post-show. This is very exciting. I might sneeze again. Update on the shift argument from last week. We uh, we put the back call out to Twitter. Nobody was willing to... Well, Granado offered to jump in and yell with us. But, any resolution to the shift? My My takeaway after multiple conversations is that there is no data to confirm, validate or rebut or deny your premise, which is that how many hits are taken away by the shift versus how many are given by the shift. I'm going to lean on a, I'm going to lean on an Elon Musk quote it says, <clears throat> the worst thing an engineer can do is optimize something that doesn't need to exist. All right. So that being said, Patrick's, Patrick kind of under, started understanding what I was trying to say and saw that the BABIP numbers didn't change that much, which is neither here nor there because I, I almost don't care about that. You can't use BABIP. You already said that that's not I, a, a I didn't say matters. you can't. I said, I don't know if that number correlates directly. But I am gonna. We're, we're gonna. This is why I got up because we're gonna look at your chart. Ooh. This was your. This was your okay. Joey Gallo chart of batted ball direction, okay. right? Yep. So it says he hits eleven percent of balls on the ground, from like the six hole over, nine percent of balls on the ground from like. Do your hundred percent argument. I'm going to. That's exactly what I'm gonna do from the shortstop place over. So we're gonna look at this as a hundred batted balls, okay? So if we do a hundred, that means eleven, nine. 15, 31, and 35. Okay, so out of the 66 balls that he hits over here, right? So that's 66 total in this area. If there's yeah. if, if there's no shift, if there's no shift in play, how many of those balls would you say become hits? If we're going off batting average of all the play, I'd say about 30% of them. Okay, so you're you're insinuating that balls. I'm not hit. insinuating. I'm going off. No, no, no. I'm talking data. about a no shift. So you just want to go off BABIP, a BABIP number on ground balls to second base and first base. Traditional that defense. Traditional defense. Ball and play. Yeah, but you can't use. I don't. I don't you have. You have to presume a little bit here, Bobby. You can't. Like, I want a number, a guesstimate of how many of those sixty-six balls are going to go through. And it could be on in any given data set, it could be 61 of them go through and it could be none of them go through because these two charts right here, these two cuts of the field are do not quantify enough for me to say like, okay, it's going to be at the second baseman or at the first baseman. So my point is these are the charts that dictate where defenses align. They don't align based on like, okay, he's going to hit the ball to this blade of grass in this moment. So again, bear with me for a second. So I'm going to add these balls. Okay. So now there are 79 baseballs that he hits right from second base over, which should play into the shift. Joey Gallo's, 79. Batting, <clears throat> Joey Gallo's batting average on balls in play is 181 on ground balls. Doesn't okay. tell me if it's pull side or oppo, but his batting average on balls in play, four ground balls is 181. Joey Gallo faces the shift all the time. 
is what we're saying. So five percent of the time. So we can't like I want to know how many of those balls would have been hits without the shift. So out of these seventy nine, I'm gonna be presumptuous, okay? I'm just gonna be presumptuous. I know you hate this, the whatever argument, but I'm trying to create a, a paint a picture. Out of these seventy nine that happened from second base, where the shift should be playing him, right? Let's say conservatively, ten of them are hits. Is that fair? Ten of them have to go through because he hits a bunch of these hard and they go through. So if ten of those are hits, he goes ten for seventy nine over here. Now out of these nineteen, probably eighteen of them are hits. So he's going 18 for 19 because the defense isn't playing him over there at all. So that turns into 28 hits out of the 100 batted balls. Is that fair enough? Can I say that? Or it's 10 for 81, sorry. Is that okay? It's, it's a but it's a it's a move point cuz he No, because but he still Bobby, he hits 11% of the balls here. So 11 the out chart, of 100 go there. The chart that I sent you showed the percentage of balls that were outs. It doesn't, but like, it doesn't matter. It's arbitrary. Like I, you're, you're arguing based on Babbitt and stats. I'm like, dude, can somebody just show me the number? And I said, Babbitt might be the right correlation. I didn't say it wasn't. It might be the right correlation. I don't know. And oh, by the way, yeah, Patrick pointed out like Babbitt doesn't change that much when shifts are in play. Like, I don't know if it's telling or not because there's still only nine defenders on the field and we're still moving them. If you understand my argument and, and you listen to my argument about the shift is right. When you are playing a team in a three game series, you always should put players to the area of the field where you think he's most likely to hit the ball 1000% of the time. And what happens is you've got a bunch of teams that play short burst series against other teams. So yes, you should, it turns into one giant shift of, for the whole year. I don't necessarily think that takes away from a player's ability to create batting average. I, I don't, I don't know. I, well, let's find out. So how are you going to find out? What's the plan? There will be no shift next year and moving forward. So pulled up the middle, left-handed batter. So hit location, pulled, he hit 241. Up the middle, he hit 256. These are on balls in play. And oppo, he hit 244. It's not all infield. That's all batted balls. So 241 pull side versus 244 oppo. I'm going to say the same thing to you. You're giving me data sets that don't connect to the argument that I'm trying to find out the answer to. I'm not even trying to make an argument. I'm trying to say I would really like my whole contention with this whole thing is, A, I want Major League Baseball to be wrong. I want less offense. I don't want more offense to be created because they eliminated the shift. Two, I want Joey Gallo after his tired statement about the fact that people are shifting to like still hit the same. That's what I want to happen. I don't know if they're true at all. Like I literally don't. I wish I did, but I don't. The uh the 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 one line when you said you were willing to bet that it was true. <laughs> what it, like me, you can't you imply were... that you know exactly what I mean. Like I'd be willing to bet a dollar. I asked when I was talking to one of the lab heads it doesn't matter what how much uh, you no 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 it, it absolutely matters you think you're right it all right you think so you're right i was i was i was talking to one of the heads of the labs when i was going through my 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 poo hoggy situation that i went through right and i said wait a minute but this data doesn't 100 percent confirm anything and he goes yeah chris but i'd be willing to bet that it meant that I said, whoa, whoa, you told me this is science. So you need a hundred percent conviction. I said, how much you willing to bet? I said, you willing to bet a mortgage payment? He goes, yeah, probably. I said, you willing to bet your life savings? He goes, no. So what does that mean? Don't, don't imply that like I'd be willing to bet. Sure. I think there's a chance that it's right. Thinking I think right there's a, the there's a better than 50% right. chance that I I'm right. No, like that. 
I am the type of person that said, when I know I'm right, I say, I know I'm right. That's how I am. I didn't say I knew I was right in any of this. And you're trying to put words in my mouth and I don't like it. Just don't say you're willing to bet something. No, I'm going to say exactly what I want to say. You're more right than wrong. That doesn't mean I'm 100% right. Because I bet um, I've bet money before on things I haven't been right about a thousand times. So your your amount of conviction in it is low, but you no, you're right. trying you're tr- you hate that I'm right so often that you're trying to take a situation in which I didn't imply that I was right or wrong. It benefits my life and be right. Be right. It, it's good for you to be right more often than not. It doesn't bother me. I don't know why you're being so adamant about this then. Because I I haven't said anything that discredited any of your arguments other than I would like to see a different data set. You keep giving me data modeled out on different things. And and as a data guy, I feel like you should understand my contention. The the line that you said about 100% of the hits where the guy's not standing is a hit is true no matter where on the field you're talking about. A thousand percent of the time. So, I don't understand why you can't connect this one in your brain. If I hit connected. 10% of my balls to third base on the ground and I now move the third baseman from there, all 10 of those balls are hits. The point is okay. by moving the defense to the other side of the field, Bobby, by moving the defense to the other side of the field, I am not creating 100% outs on those balls that get hit over there because there are still holes there. But now 100% of those balls that were hit to the spot where they would have been out every time are not. It has nothing to do with like this existential, oh, well, 100% of balls are hits because of my example that I'm giving you. If you look at this sheet of paper and you say these 81 balls in this area, I cannot guarantee by moving four defenders to one here, one here, one here, and one here, I am not guaranteeing that all 81 of those balls are outs. But I am guaranteeing that every one of those 11% of balls are hits. That's what my implication is. So out of these 81 that he hits over here in this area, how many of those are outs because of the shift? And how many are hits? If it's 71 are outs and and, and 10 are hits, now I'm giving him 11 hits over here, plus whatever happens in this 9% area. By not shifting, how many of those 81 would be hits? Is it 41? I don't know. If it's 41, yeah, shift every time. Great. There's, you win. There's, there's, regardless of where the players stand on the field, regardless what, of where they stand. I, what you're saying makes so little sense to me that I don't even understand why you keep saying it. Like, you're acting as if, like, I don't understand that 100% of 100% should be 100%. Like, why do you keep repeating that? What does that even mean? It's funny that what? you keep saying, I don't understand what you're saying, but then you say, you don't understand what I'm saying. It's you're saying a hundred, you're repeating a fact that is so obvious that it's like belligerent. It's making me like feel mind numb that I want to slam my head up against the wall because I don't get what the implication of it is. Yes. Every time you hit a ball where somebody's not playing, it's a hit. Good. Done. We're done. Good. Right. That's it? Yeah. Yeah. That's that's the point of your story? Like, I was done with that yeah. before we even said it out loud. Yeah. So whether it's a tra- tra- uh, traditional defense or not, it doesn't matter because where they hit the ball the most is where you should put the defenders. If in this spray chart, I'm going to show you one more time and then I'm done. In this spray chart, there are 100 batted balls. If this spray chart rests like this, 11% means 11 balls are hit right here. That means that if there's a third baseman playing there and the ball is hit poorly, he's catching every one of them. If the third baseman's not playing there, that means all 11 of those are hits. Correct? Or if you put the guy where he hits the ball way more often, you're increasing your chances of getting more outs because he hits it there more often. Stay, bear with me. I just gave you this example. There are 81 balls that get hit over here in a shifted defense. The infield goes like this against the lefty. Hey, I got one guy here, one guy here, one guy here, and one guy here, right? These are my four positions. If 85 balls get hit over here, how many of those are outs because of the shift? 
We don't know the number exactly. We don't because there's holes here. There's holes here. There's a hole there. So whatever percentage goes through is hits. By moving my defense, I've now taken all of these balls and they're now hits. I want to know if the number of hits that you take away over there warrants you giving these hits up. That's all I'm saying. And we don't have a number on it. And you keep making like ridiculous statements that like, uh, yeah, hundred percent of hits are hits. Like, of, yeah. What, like, what does that have to do with anything? If you just listen to my reasoning and what I'm trying to explain, I want to know if those balls that would be hit to third and short where there's nobody defending will be made up for, at, there's somebody at short. There's somebody sure. On that but like, side. but like the weekly hit ball now to the right of the shortstop, that the third baseman would cut off as a base hit. The the drag bunt, the floater over the third baseman's head that the shortstop would normally catch, maybe. I don't know. Like, that's what my point is. I don't know. And I would like to know. Because Joey Gallo is making the argument that if by taking the shift away, he's going to hit better. And I think it's a crock of crap. Yeah, I mean, he hasn't hit good ever. Yeah, so I'm, I want him to, like, prove it now. Like, oh, good, we got rid of the shift. We changed the rules for you. Good. Yeah, I Go I, I personally hate that they eliminate the shift. I think it's dumb. I think hitters should have to make the adjustment. Uh, business of baseball, stupid. It's they're, they're making a business decision, not a baseball decision. With, with un unverified facts because they're implicating that it's going to create more offense. I want the league to hit one point lower and score 0.1 runs per game less than they, than they did last year when they take the shift away. So you, it's emotional. It's no, you, you go through all this trouble of making your point And then you say, <laughs> That there's no evidence that the the shift, like all the the batting average balls of play is down, the woba is down for lefty. But like it's, it's not it's batting average on balls in play is like down by like a, a half a percentage point, according to the the information no, that it's our like producer it's Patrick sent along. It's eight or nine points on the batting average, but it's way more severe for lefties than it is for righties. Cool, like Good talk for a lefty. When you back the guy up, when you back up the second baseman into the outfield, his range goes way up, and he can take away more hits. Sure, great. Because the ball hit right at him is still hit. Yeah, you're gonna the dribbler might become a hit. I just you you are so anti major league baseball and teams thinking that they have they're not smart. No, and no, no. I know teams aren't as smart as they that people think they are. I know that for a fact. If a team like the Dodgers increases the amount of times they're shifting and they're getting more detailed about their shifting that to me they have data to support those decisions all data is created from previous sets of of stuff that's happened correct like on stuff that's happened in the past no data like so building predictive models off past performance i've said this a thousand times there's value to it in some capacity like but it's all an estimate it's all a hypothesis it's all like the implication that human beings are not the ones playing who have like emotions, feelings, thoughts, and ability to change is completely irrational. It's ludicrous, which is why there needs to be feel in certain moments for, and why baseball people need to be still involved in the game. Because if but there's the, not, the feel then it can becomes... be wrong. The, the video you sent of you hitting the ground ball, the Bogarts that went up the middle, he should have been in double play depth. They moved him into the hole. That was a, the wrong decision in that but that happens uh, that happens a bunch of times during the year bobby my yeah. th- the question that i continue to ask is the like the chart that i sent that you didn't comment on was your chart and it was a chart that screamed pull the play this player as a pull hitter on the ground pull side then, pull side shift every ground, time they did that and then every time they did that i tried to hit a ground ball to second base and i can't tell you how many times i hit a ground ball to second base for a base hit when nobody was standing there why don't you because go I was and look a that human. up? Because then you could tell us the number instead of having this argument. Okay. 
But it does. I'm not having easy. an argument. I just want an answer to the question. But you, you're That's, using yourself as the example right there, and you said I can't tell you how many times you you could you can tell us how many times you could go. And I'd look have it to up. go back and go through all my bats. I'm not going to take time yeah. out of my life to do that. No, <laughs> not. If you want me to, then no, I, I really don't gonna, want you to. Okay, thank you. So don't tell me to do it, and then be like, oh, you could do it. Like, yeah, I'm not going to go watch 368 the, plate appearances. The exact opportunity that you have to prove yourself right, you're saying I'm not going to do it. And we'll leave it at that. You just said you don't want me to do it because you know it'd be a waste of time. So what are we talking about? Why do you keep being a contrarian to yourself? It's unbelievable. I'm leaving. Pickle out. Bye. <laughs>